Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guests on today's podcast are Jeff and Holly Fowler, and their son Alec and his husband Blake. So there's four guests on the podcast. You'll hear um, from four voices. We'll try to keep you aware of, especially for the male voices who's speaking. By way of introduction, Jeff and Holly are dear friends. We met about three years ago when they reached out to talk about their gay son, Alec. They've been married 32 years. Um, Jeff is a marketing guy in a high-tech industry. They have four kids, three grandchildren. And um, Jeff has been in a, in a bishopric in his ward and a former YSA bishop. They're just an awesome couple with a great family. And they have four children. Their oldest son, I believe, Alec, you're the oldest? Yeah, I'm the oldest. Alec is 31, and he married his husband, Blake, who's here with us, who is also 31. I guess, Alec, one of you is just turning 31 soon. I'm 31 tomorrow, yeah. Well, there you go. And this is being recorded on the 9th of January. So 20, the 10th of January, Alec is 31, and Blake is 31. Um, These men were married in um, June of 2019. In obviously a same-sex wedding in Park City, Utah. Um, Alec is an event in, in event management. Has had a career in that for quite a while and has wonderful things he's doing. And Blake is in commercial real estate, which is a hot um, industry right now in Utah and in the Intermountain West. The goal of this podcast is to talk about what LDS parents do when they have a gay child. And Jeff and Holly will talk about that and then what to do if that gay child chooses to step away from the church and be in a same-sex marriage. And Jeff and Holly have walked this road and have supported their son, Alec, and had a beautiful wedding with um, lots of family that attended. So this is a podcast about keeping the family circle together, um, which is something that I think is part of our doctrine of our church. Before we started, Alec offered the prayer. Sometimes we record those as a beautiful prayer. And I hope as the podcast moderator that I can ask questions that will bring out things that will be helpful for you from these four, um, some of you that are LGBTQ and you parents that are looking for resources and information and other stories on how to manage this road and how to keep the family circle together. Anything that needs to be corrected from a bio standpoint? Uh, my birthday is January 13th. Yeah, I so, jumped the gun on that. Tomorrow. It's not tomorrow. <laughs> well, it's close enough. And it's by close. the time this is released, it'll be very be close third, to your yeah. birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Was well, that a Friday? Yeah. Was he born on Friday the 13th, Holly? Yes, Friday the 13th. He, uh, I've been in uh, labor for a very, very long time, like 17 hours, and it was like um, 11... 45, something like that. And the nurse was like, oh my gosh, it's Friday the 13th. Do you want to wait like 15 more minutes? And I'm like, no, maybe not. Okay, okay. So yes, Friday the 13th is his birthday. Let's start with Alec. Just tell her, and this could be a whole podcast, so we're going to go pretty quick. Tell us when you knew you were gay and when you came out to your parents. Uh, I knew I was gay in junior high. Um, when, uh, all of my friends were getting girlfriends, uh, and I was, had these weird feelings for my friends. Um, so that's kind of where it all kind of started triggering. Um, I mean, it could have, it could have been a little bit earlier than that when the little mermaid was my favorite Disney movie growing up. But, um, and then, uh, I came out when I was, 
I was 27 uh, to my family. I'd come out to a few close friends and associates prior to that, but that's, uh, I was 27. So that's a long time to be on your own. Did you serve a mission during yeah, that time? Yeah, I did. Tell I, us where you served. Uh, I got called to upstate New York um, to the Utica mission, which no longer exists. Um, it was uh, it was the mission that was inside that didn't have any of the church history sites in it. They were all <laughs> right outside the borders. So, um, but uh, loved my time up there um, with the members. Did you think going on a mission would make you straight? I I sure thought it would. Yeah, I'd made that deal, and uh, someone didn't keep up his end of the bargain, obviously. But um, so, who did you come out to first in your family? And tell us just about that discussion. Uh, it was my mom. Uh, it was not. It was not planned uh, at all. Um, we had been. Um, I traveled a lot for work, and so I was. Um, I was home on a rare, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, um, came down, had gone to dinner with my mom. We were having conversations about work and, um, we came back to the house and it just kind of happened. And, uh, I had no plans on doing it. And I just, we were on the couch talking and I said, mom, I mean, I started crying before I was able to get the words out. Um, but there was instant that my love for you will never change. And um, she wrapped her arms around me um, and she said, when, how do you want to tell your dad? And I said, well, I'll let you take care of that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so she waited up. He was coming home from a business trip that night, um, came, um, came home, she told him, and uh, my dad called me the next morning and I was in a business meeting, so I didn't pick it up because I knew, and I also knew what he was calling me about, um, but left me a voicemail that um, I still have to this day because it just said, son, I had a conversation with your mom last night. I just want to let you know that I love you and uh, I have a lot of questions for you. <laughs> so that's kind of that's how that, that ball started rolling down the hill. Holly and Jeff, just share, Holly, what was it like to hear your son was gay? And tell us about that moment. Hmm. Okay. Um, so I think a few years prior that, Jeff and I had kind of had a few conversations. What if... <laughs> Um, you can't see Alec. This is a podcast, but podcast. But he is—he's handsome, and um, and people, you know, we're thought he's so handsome for sure. <laughs> why is he not married, or why hasn't he found somebody? And so we had asked ourselves a couple times, um, what if he is gay, and. Um, and there was never a question in our minds. That we would just love him. And Alec and I are really close. Um, we've traveled a lot together. He um, took his mom to work on many travel trips and um, so for me, I knew that relationship would not change, and it hasn't. We haven't, um, we haven't skipped a beat. So it was, as a mother, you know, you love your child. 
So that is, um, that's where I was. Jeff, your thoughts on learning ahead of gay son and yeah, I still that I still remember that night. Uh, I I came home from a business trip, and Holly was it was late. It was late at night uh, by the time I got home, and Holly's usually asleep, and she was awake. And that was kind of the first the first thing that kind of caught me off guard as I came in the house. And she said, "You know, we uh, I've had this. I had a conversation tonight with Alec, and what you know, and and he is gay." And I remember, I remember two thoughts that came. The first thought is kind of what Holly had said, as you know, he is still our son. He is someone that we love. Um, he's still the same person, you know, at this minute than he was 15 minutes ago before I knew he was gay. So there's no difference there. I, I love him the same. That's that's not a change. But then my then from a religion or from a doctrine perspective, those questions True. started coming in. And and that's that's kind of where I spent uh, a lot of my a lot of my time in those first several months uh, in that time frame relating to that. So I tried to separate those two things with regards to showing and demonstrating and, and sincerely loving versus the time that I needed to try to figure out. What this? What could this mean? What does it mean? How do we accommodate? How do we react? What does it do for our family? You know, a thousand types of questions like that. Great questions, Alec. What What did you need to hear from your parents when you first came out? I was never I was never concerned that they would. I mean, I wasn't living at home at the time, um, but even before then, if I was, you know, would have come out while I was at home, I never had a fear that I would be kicked out on the, you know. Well, you're you're no longer a part of this family. That was never crossed my mind, but it was a, a scary thought that it would change my relationships with the change my relationship with my parents, with my siblings, um, and you know you we you're raised to believe this one way and you're taught this way, and that this is the opposite of that. You know that that you know it's it's Adam and Eve and and that, and that whole story. So I was. Um, I was never concerned about that, um, but I was just wanted to be told that I was still loved. That, that's all. I mean, that that one word has become more meaningful for sure since that experience. And just so our listeners know, Jeff and Holly are active in the church. Their four kids are, you know, with the exception of Alec and Blake, who have stepped away. Um, their other three kids are active in the church. I think your youngest son's preparing for a wedding. Um, who was on a mission when you came out. So this is a story about a really strong LDS family keeping the family circle together. Blake, uh, talk about when you knew you were gay and when you started to come out to people. Uh, do you want the full story? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of recognized that there was something different when I was um, in first grade, so around six, seven years old, because I, I started to have a crush on a boy in my class, and I was like, that's weird. That's I didn't have a name for it, but I, I recognized that it was different um, and didn't think much more of it until I kind of started hitting puberty and started dating girls and having girlfriends and realizing that I really wasn't all that into having a girlfriend, and um, but just kind of kept pushing it down, kept ignoring it. 
Um, when I went into the MTC, I finally just couldn't keep it in anymore. And so I told my ecclesiastical leaders uh, in the MTC that I was gay and they said, well, let's, let's have a conversation and um, had my parents come down and asked me to let them know what was going on. So I came out to my parents at that time. Um, and then shortly after a lot of discussion, decided to leave uh, and came home. A couple years later, came out to my parents again because <laughs> I had forgotten that I had told them because I had kind of, with, the, with it being kind of a traumatic experience, um, with it being in the MTC and, and coming out to them, had forgotten that I came out to them. So I came out to them again, but decided I wanted to stay in the church. So um, without them knowing, I actually went into aversion therapy for a couple of years. Really? Um, to try and fix what I thought was broken, spent a lot of time uh, in prayer and meditation. And um, after almost getting married uh, to a woman, realized that it, it just wasn't right. It wasn't fair to do that to someone that I loved, to, to marry someone that I loved without giving them my full heart. Um, and so I finally at 27 came out to the rest of my family uh, and came out publicly. How has your family responded? We don't have, for our listeners, Blake's family, and your last name is? McDougal. McDougal. Yeah. Um, we don't have your family here. Right. But just talk about how they've responded. They, from day one, were very supportive. And, and my parents, when I first came out to them, it was, it was a very similar experience uh, to Alec. They just told me, we love you no matter what, and that will never change. My dad has been, for the most part, inactive. Um, with the church since I was about 12 or 13. When I came out to him, one of his first, one of the first things he said to me was, I really hope that you don't marry a woman because I don't want you to marry someone that you can't give your full self to. Um, and he said, I, the only thing I care about is that you are, you find happiness, whatever that is for you. Uh, my mom struggled a little bit more with it just because she was very involved with the church, uh, still is, still very active. And for her, it was just figuring out that eternal perspective of it. Um, and it took a few years and finally she came to me and she said, you know, I've, I've struggled with it for a few years. I've always, she always supported me, always told me she loved me. It didn't change anything in our relationship. It was just kind of a battle for her. Uh, but she came to me finally one day and said, you know, if, if you're not there with me in heaven, then that's not heaven. And so I finally come to that realization. And so I'm okay. You know, I'm finally going to move past that struggle and just be okay with it because I can't change what is going to happen. All I know is that heaven includes you, and that's the way I'm just going to believe. Thanks for being just sharing a little bit of your story. We could do an hour podcast on each of your coming out story and your journey here, so I recognize we're skipping over that pretty quickly. I asked you this question before we went live because um, I was thinking about it today that I heard once someone say, to LGBTQ people, you probably should just move on and not really ask God why you're LGBTQ. That's not official doctrine of the church, obviously. It was just a preference of one comment I heard along the line. But Blake and Alex, have you ever asked God why you're gay? And have you ever, we believe in personal revelation, have you ever gotten an answer? 
You want me to go first? Blake's, All right, Blake's I'll, going I'll first. go first. Um, Let me just ask a question on yeah. your last name. Do you either of you do you both go by Fowler or McDougal or we, we go by our own last name we, still? Okay. We haven't we haven't had that rock paper scissor battle yet. Okay, well so. I'm going to call you Blake McDougal <laughs> now. Fowler then. That's great. Yeah. That totally we'll wait works. for wait. Oh well, yeah, go we, ahead. We we get we get uh, called both. So on the last summit we went to, I was Blake Fowler on the on the sheet. And so. some mail I get is Alan McDougal. So it's still, it's, it sounds it's like you're married. It is. It is what it is. It doesn't bother either of us. Um, no, I, I definitely um, asked God a lot why I was gay. It was it was a huge question for me because it was something um, that we're taught is just not necessarily natural or we're taught. You know, things have kind of shifted a little bit, and so I asked a lot why why I was gay. Um, and I finally started getting, getting the answer that I was gay because that's who I was supposed to be because I needed to be an example to other people in my situation about, uh, be an example to other people in my situation and show them how to be happy and, and how to navigate this, um, whether that was inside the church or outside the church. And for a long time, I navigated that in the church because I felt like that was the right path. And then after a lot of prayer, decided that it was time for me to take us take a different path and move outside the church and help those that might be struggling outside as well. Good answer. Alec? Um, I mean, just like Blake, I asked that question a lot to, to, to God and said, why, why did you make me gay? Why, why would you put this burden, you know, upon me? Um, and, you know, we're taught that we're, we go through trials in our lives for a reason. And, and then it, you know, through multiple years of prayer, it, I realized that it wasn't a trial, that it was, um, something I had to go through. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Um, and so it was coming to that realization of, yeah, this is who I am. And, and, you know, it, it really started triggering when, um, you know, I, I turned, turned the the tinder profile from from female to male and i started going on a you know on a lunch date and i left thinking i've never felt this good after a date and i don't even think it's going to go anywhere with that person but just because i was out on a date with a guy it was completely different from the multiple dates i've been on with with girls and i just love personal revelation and i honor everybody's personal revelation and um so I love that part of our church, and I believe that's just a universal doctrine that everybody can have a personal relationship with loving heavenly parents and get personal revelation. And and it's not really my job to get personal revelation for other people or to judge your personal revelation. So I just honor how you feel and the and the revelation you're receiving. Talk um, talk parents. <laughs> Alec comes out, and then how soon until Blake comes into his life? Because some kids come out in the teenage years and then they have a if they're going to go down the road of a same-sex relationship that happens much later sometimes it happens really close to coming out so holly do you remember the timing alec comes out and then blake shows up <laughs> so alec came out in december and we um had a family vacation planned in may and uh we met Blake then in May, and I kind of feel like they're the ones that should share that story because it's it's a little it's different. <laughs> but um, 
so yeah, six months after Alec had come out, um, I did talk to Alec about a few other boys that he had kind of gone on dates with during that six month period, but um, it was it was six months later that we met Blake. When Alec came out, was it clear? Was the conversation was Alec and Alec can answer this? Was Alec saying I'm gonna stay in the church, I'm gonna stay celibate, or at that point was Alec kind of saying I'm dating men and you need to know that I've moved that that's the space I'm in and the road I'm likely to go down. He was when he came out to me, he was dating already, so it wasn't. Um, uh, it was never anything that was we really discussed. Um, I'm sure he had conversations with Jeff about that, but um, he was, you know, he'd he'd been in that space for 14 years, and I think he kind of knew. Okay, Jeff, that's the comment. Yeah, it was a little different for me because my 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 uh, thought process was there's still you know there's still an ability here or the the choice to stay to stay in the church and um i was what was hard for me was trying to understand that alec had already kind of been through this for those 14 or 15 years and he was a lot you know farther along for me having a day or a week or a month into it it's like you know, you can give this more time. You can, you can, you're not quite ready to make that decision yet. Uh, so it, it, I was, I was hoping that he would, sure. you know, make that decision as it relates to staying within church doctrine, not understanding fully, you know, what the, you know, the policy hadn't been, uh, hadn't, was not, released at that point in time. So we're, there was still a lot of unknowns, a lot of questions that I had, but my hope was that somehow he would stay active and involved in the church. That was my hope uh, in in the first several months after he came out. And that would be honest. I would feel the same. I think LDS parents all have hope that our children stay within the teachings of the church and would want to do everything we can to in, in, in within our control to make that happen. But at some point, you know, we just the reality of the situation. Was that a tent? Was there a lot of tension, Alec, between you and your dad during that time, or was there still real good communication? But your dad just kind of had a hope that you'd be able to stay in the church. The you know he he left me that voicemail that said he had a lot of questions, and um, I came down later that evening, and we we had a lot of time spent together, and my dad was asking a lot of questions. And it was from that point on that we, you know, my dad just said, look, I need you to be open and honest here with me as I'm going through this and I'll be open and honest with you. It was this, this mutual respect. Um, you know, I remember, I remember my dad asking me, so he's like, so when you kiss a guy, he's like, have you kissed a guy? And I was like, yeah, I've kissed a guy. There's like a feeling there. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, and not a feeling like when you've kissed a girl. I was like, exactly like it was this learning experience that we both went through together but there was never i never felt that there was tension or i never felt that i wasn't loved that it was i was just it was all asked out of a wanting to understand were you glad he asked that kind of a question 
Um, at the time I was a little like, that's a little personal dad, but like, no, like it would, it, it, it opened up the conversation on really, you know, what, what, what I was going through. Yeah. We were well beyond personal at that, <laughs> at that point in time, it's all cards on the table. We were having those conversations and we still have those conversations. There's still, you know, questions that I have or concerns or thoughts that, you know, I'm able to call Alec or send him a text and say, I need to talk. Let's, let's, uh, we need to have a chat and I'd, I have some more questions for you. So it's still ongoing. And, uh, but we recognize he's almost 31 years old and certainly has that ability to make, make those choices. And, uh, and we support and love him in, in those choices as it relates to what he's the path he's chosen and going down do you, you think know, that, that communication has helped kept your family closer? Yes, I, I think definitely it it's it's required us to to really and and not just with Alec and Blake, but with all of our children, you know, having the the safe space in our home to have these conversations and let people ask questions and have these discussions about situations, circumstances, you know doctrines, eternal aspects, all of those elements come into play. And, and I would say that I, our family discussions provide us with, with a very deep and, and sincere relationships with each other. It's, it's, uh, we have fun and we have, you know, our moments of, of laughter and, and that type of, a, you know, some silliness and games and Good. puzzles and stuff like that. But, you know, I think this has required us to be sincere with each other and and it's required us to be authentic in our relationships uh, with our children and our children's spouses and 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 uh, it's it's made our family um, closer as it relates to that type of communication. Holly, do you have some thoughts to add about this feeling that your family's closer? Um, and this has brought increased communication skills in the family and has brought you closer. So, um, Alec came out to me on a Tuesday. I love the way moms remember the days of the week. <laughs> I mean, she. <laughs> it was like, I think Wednesday he came down, talked to Jeff, and then we knew there needed to be a conversation with the rest of the kids. Um, our youngest was on a mission, so that didn't happen with him but our two other kids and their spouses. So on Sunday, um, Alec came down to tell his, tell his other two siblings the news. <laughs> and um, I still remember um, it was our son-in-law, Colin, who after Alec, you know, kind of shared shared his feelings and um, let the kids know what was going on. Um, Colin got up and just bear hugged Alec and just told him how much he loved him. And then one after another, each child, you know, got up and hugged Alec and then we all sat around and just kind of chatted. And like Jeff has said, the conversations we have had um, 
are key. And I think that's one thing um, that has to happen. Um, and I think the LGBTQ kids need to understand that they have been processing this for years. And um, in Alex's case, 14 years. And so I feel like they need to be a little patient with us parents to catch up, which I don't know if you'll ever catch up, you know, but, um, and then I think vice versa, you know, the kids need to understand that this is just, you know, even though we've kind, you know, we kind of thought, had a few thoughts in our head that what if, um, but until it, the day actually happens that your child comes out to you, um, it's going to take you some time to kind of process that. And so it's not going to be this immediate thing that you understand. And there's a lot of learning that on both sides that still have to take place. And like Jeff said, conversations still happen. Um, you know, he and Alec had a conversation just a month ago about something. And, um, but yeah, I would say, like Jeff has said, we have some real, sometimes super funny conversations. And um, we have a daughter-in-law who's not afraid to ask anything. <laughs> and those lead to we some... We should. We won't. We'll just do <laughs> Those lead to some really fun conversations. And, and, um, and what I love is that Alec and Blake are fine to answer those questions. And I think... I think learning and, you know, when you know, when you know better, you do better kind of. What a great line. Um, and so knowledge is a, a, knowledge is a huge thing during, during this whole process, I would say. Do you remember that day, Alec? Oh yeah. I remember that Sunday night. I remember we'd had dinner and we were in the family room and everybody, the, the grandkids were kind of playing and my dad said, well, Alec has... Alec has some news he'd like to share with, with the family. You knew this was going to happen. He didn't put you on the spot, or did he? No, I mean, I knew, you know, he wanted me to tell the family. So he, he, he queued it up. He queued up the ball to let me smack it down. So, um, which I did. And I, and, you know, my entire family, it was, it was love from, it never skipped a beat. And, and I know that. Not everybody has that experience. Talk about your brother. I think his name's Tyler. Yeah. That's in Barcelona. Did you write Tyler? Did, yeah. So I or can... did you just all keep this on Tyler until he showed up? <laughs> no, I, I, I knew <laughs> I needed fun. <laughs> I had a uh, I had a really close relationship uh, with Tyler. Um, and so we I composed a letter and I think I sent it to my dad and I said, this is what I'm going to send to him. Um, and uh, sent it off to him and he sent me an email back saying thank you so much for letting me know um, but I'm just going to kind of focus on the work and not deal with this right now <laughs> and uh, and we continued to email weekly and um, and since he's been home and, and talking to his companion that was his companion at the time that he received the email, he was obviously having conversations about it and processing it. And, um, he came home, uh, Blake was at the airport when he came home. So, which he knew was going to be happening, but, um, it never, 
it never skipped a beat and we're still super close to this day. I'm glad to hear that. I remember when we first met that well, I can't quite I just remember you talking about this relationship with your Alec and and your son, Elder Fowler, and hoping that that relationship wouldn't change. And I'm just, it's sense that that hasn't. And that would be my prayer as a parent, that all, all my kids would stay close. Um, talk about this May trip. So <laughs> some parents, you know, there's a period of time before someone, you know, is coming on the family trip. And just, it's kind of the question is just this journey that you recognize that Alec is going to marry Blake. When did that, maybe that's the question I like to ask, when, when did it become clear that Alec and Blake were getting married? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they dated for several months, and obviously we recognized that there was a, 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 a connection and a, and a love that was developing. Um, but I, I, it would maybe be six months after we met Blake, five months after we met Blake, it was some someplace in there, six to eight months, six to nine months, something like that. So they came on the trip in May together. Yeah. May not, of 20, I don't know if anybody put a date to that. It would 18. have been no. 17. 17. 17. 2017. 2017. Yeah, May Blake came on the trip as a friend. As a friend. Yeah, yeah. and they need to tell you that story because that was, <laughs> that was not us. <laughs> so me and Blake, we matched in March on St. Patrick's Day. And then we started texting back and forth. Both of us were really busy with travel. Um, we never were able to. He was in Orem and I was in North Salt Lake. Um, so there was never, we never really got together until May. Um, and so we had our first date on May 4th um, and May 3rd, May 3rd. And um, we literally talked for hours. Um, we were supposed to go get dinner and stuff. I hadn't eaten, so I was starving after our six-hour conversation. But I knew I knew there was something about Blake and that conversation that led that. And he was going to L.A. for work the next day, and I was leaving for Florida in two days. And I knew if I waited 10 days to see him, I may lose him to someone else. Or I, I just wanted I wanted to spend more time with him. And so my solution was bring him to Florida to spend some time with him. And, and he was brave enough to jump on the plane and come down. Did you run that by your parents that you're bringing your boyfriend on a family trip? <laughs> so I just told, I asked him while we were traveling down, I said, Hey, do you care if I have a friend come down? It was not, it was, I mean, we'd obviously just had our first date. So I, we weren't officially together at the time but um and uh and they both my dad said well you need to talk to your siblings i guess they'd be okay i don't know if there was conversations that happened behind closed doors um once i asked that question but um yeah i don't we didn't have we didn't need to have a separate conversation again if it's a friend of our if one of our kids or our children they're they're welcome to join our family vacation it's 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 not a formal a formal structure or anything like that. So we were open to that. Did that bring you two close together and did it bring you closer to the greater Fowler family? Blake's going to yeah, answer that one. I guess I'm going to answer that one. Yeah, no, absolutely it did. It gave us, I didn't stay the entire trip. Um, we kind of spaced it where I came a couple of days after every, everyone had been there and then left about four days after, uh, a couple of days before everybody else. But it gave me an opportunity not only to 
get closer with Alec, but his entire family all at once. And um, for both of us, one of the biggest things that uh, we had discussed on our first date was family. Uh, both of us were very, very fortunate to have supportive families. Uh, and that was something that was very important to both of us. And so being able to meet his family and actually get a, a chance to sit down on with them at the beach and poolside and just have these conversations and play games really helped me to understand who Alec was as well. Because um, I could see a lot of both Jeff and Holly and Alec. Um, and so it really helped me grow a lot closer to both him and his family. Did you as parents feel like you were crossing a line in our, by enabling them? by <laughs> um, Because they were on the family trip and now together and this was your family trip. So you're kind of enabling them to be together. It just felt like they're adults. This is going to happen regardless of us. And we're just trying to keep our family together. Was there any conflict? Because some families might just say we're we're enabling them. I don't know what the right word is. And I'm thinking you didn't. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't really think twice about it. You know, Alec won. I mean, Alec had never had anybody on a family vacation. And I was like, sure. Luckily, we had a big enough house that Blake had his own room. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't cross that line at that stage. So that was good. Um, and um, I think the just the the nature of the vacation where we're at the beach, we're at the pool, we're just super casual. Um, like Blake said, I think it was just a great space to, to meet him and, you know, to see Alec happy. Jeff. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. So Alec was at this time was probably 28 years old so i if 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 he were in his teenage years i think our response and our actions would have been completely different um or you know maybe even early 20s but as a 28 year old you know man that's you know we obviously he's making decisions and like i said earlier we're while there's some decisions we may not be necessarily all on board with, but our love and our support and our affection for him is not going to waver. So from that perspective, I would say, you know, we didn't worry about that aspect of it just because of who he is and where he was in his life and in his journey. When, if it's, this is May of 2017, when did the two of you kind of know you're going to get married to each other? I knew before, I definitely knew before Blake did. Um, cause I was the one that brought it up before he did. Um, but it was, it was, it was shortly there. It was, it was the Mormon way as far as, um, <laughs> moving quickly. I mean, we waited two years to get married, but, um, it was, it was pretty quick. Yeah. I, it took me quite a bit longer. Um, I had just gotten out of a fairly, fairly serious relationship not to actually Alec had as well right before we met and so for me it was I still wanted to be very careful about um, you know proposing or, or going down the route of marriage and that's actually why I ended up being the one that proposed because Alec told me like he said he brought it up first he said you know I, I think if if you're on board I want to get married and I said well 
give me a few more months. <laughs> and he said, all right, well, you're the one proposing then. So that's uh, that's kind of how I ended up getting chosen to propose. And uh, what day did you propose? I have no idea. That's the first <laughs> it was, time you've been it was, stumped on it. It was uh, August... August 11th. August 11th. Of 2017? No, 2018. 2018. Yeah. So, so that's over a year past uh, this trip. Yeah, about a year and a half after. And I had... Uh, in fairness, we had already taken engagements at that point, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm I kind of knew, knew the answer before I proposed. But um, no, we had we had decided to get married about a year after we started dating. Did you talk to your parents that this was happening? Oh yeah, um, yeah. That you were proposing. Did you talk to Alex, Alex, Alec parents? Yeah. So. Um, Talked to Alex's parents, actually. They took us down to a concert in Vegas. We went to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, it's a group from our era. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, it's one of Alex's favorite, favorite bands Way as to well. Go. So, Hanging uh, old people music. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, were, we were at dinner uh, right before the concert, and marriage came up, and we were kind of joking, but at the same time being serious about, you know, okay, well, we know I'm going to be the one that proposes. Do I need to still ask for permission? Um, and so I asked for permission at dinner <laughs> with Alec there. <laughs> um, and after that, I talked to my parents kind of knew as well. We're all pretty close. Um, and my mom actually helped me set up for, for the proposal because I did it near their home, near my parents' home, uh, out in a, out in the meadow. And so she helped me actually set up the, uh, the proposal along with his sister-in-law and then his entire family came up as well. Yeah. And um, talk up um, Holly and Jeff, just knowing your son's now to get married to Blake, how did that feel? And and maybe that's partly advice to other LDS parents that recognize this may be their road or is their road. On a funny note, I realized I could maybe have a I could wear a white dress if I wanted. <laughs> there was no bride to compete with. Uh, my dress could have a train if it wanted. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think we just loved Blake. And we also saw how happy Alec was. And I think as parents, and especially a mother, we just want our children to be happy. And, you know, I don't know the exact saying, but it's mother's as happy as her unhappiest child. <laughs> and so to see Alec happy and know that he'd waited a long time for that, If I were to go back to our May beach vacation where we first met Blake and he had left on, I think, a Thursday. And we were sitting on the beach Friday night for our last sunset. And it's one of my favorite pictures. Alec is sitting next to me. And he is... He's emotional. And I asked him if he was okay or if something was wrong. I didn't know if 
something had happened when Blake had left or, and he said, I am just so happy. I've never had someone on vacation with me to share in sunsets and walks on the beach and um, sitting on the beach. Um, he'd never had that before. And so knowing how happy he was and that together the two of them created that happiness, how could I not want that for him? Yeah, and we also love the McDougals. I mean, they, they're an, an awesome family. So the fact that we had this situation where you have two, two young men that both have similar values and have been brought up in, you know, relatively, you know, functioning homes as it relates to gospel and, and, and work and honesty and goodness and all of those things. When you think of, of the LGBTQ or the gay population and, you know, the odds of finding someone within that, with that audience or that sample. And then you narrow that down again to someone that has similar values and a similar upbringing and understanding. And then you bring that down to, you know, from a, a church perspective, it just, the, the odds keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, and then the fact that you can find that person, we were, that's, that was the other piece that was, you know, kind of a, a very, a very emotional, but a very, uh, a comforting piece as it relates to this particular story. How, how did you navigate just, uh, uh, that's pretty tender what you both said. <laughs> There'll be some listeners pulling out tissues <laughs> wherever they are. Um, cause the heart of a mom wanting the best for her kids is just part of how parents are wired. Um, I know that's the way our family's wired and, and I recognize Jeff, the practicalities I, in a parent Facebook group of LDS parents of LGBTQ kids, there's a great, there's so much fear. Um, if they recognize their, their child is going down the path of a same-sex marriage, I sometimes talk about it. There's lots of ways to do life off the covenant path from a pragmatic standpoint. Um, and there's just lots of ways to do that road and to, to do the road that these two are doing, um, long-term committed relationship, great people, lift each other, bring out the best in each other, want families to be successful. That's, you know, I'd have that same hope you have, Jeff. And I'd recognize from a practical standpoint, that's going to take a lot of work. Talk about just how you handle, how did you handle the wedding? So from a financial perspective, did you, you've got, I don't know how many weddings you've had in your family. Just talk to our listeners and they're older so they can fund some of this. How did you handle that? Do you, and do you feel like if you paid for some of the wedding, you're you're crossing a line in our faith? Yeah, that's that um, that's one of my my dog-eared, marked-up chapters in Tom Christopherson's book is condoning versus accepting. Um, it's and it's still a it's still a topic that you know I still think about at times. And are we are we crossing a line with this? Or are we not crossing a line with that? Um, but as it relates to the marriage. We simply did the same thing for Alec that we did for our other two children who had been married and what we'll do for our fourth 
uh, our fourth child, our Tyler, when he gets married this this coming spring. Um, so yes, we we financially supported and contributed uh, some money to to that activity, along with you know the McDougals and then but Alec and Blake were the you know they had they were a little bit farther along in their careers and from a financial perspective. Are there doctrinal principles that just gave you peace that you were doing the right thing? If other, just to help other parents that may be, or was it just a gut feel or just anything else to just for others listening? I don't know if I would call it doctrinal. Uh, That's fair. But the idea is there is a, a, a love, obviously, that we have and a, from a family member, uh, which we are going to do what we can to support and and help in their happiness. Um, and so, but we never felt like it was, you know, it was crossing a line as it relates to that. We knew that that was the path that Alec and Blake had chosen. And so we were beyond the, we, we moved beyond the, the discussion of right or wrong or you know good bad or whatever that's the path so we're moving on to support and and you know lend to the success and the happiness of that day and um, and I, and it was a beautiful day we had uh, we had an incredible weekend uh, and but the day itself was was fantastic i want to talk more about the day i just want to read an excerpt from this book i'm working on it's a it's a mother of a gay son. Um, this is her comment that'll be in the book. The topic of loving versus condoning was probably the hardest thing for me to sort out in my brain. It took me a long time to grasp the idea that showing support, mostly from a financial perspective, did not mean that I was condoning something. Um, when my ton, son told me he was going to get married to his boyfriend, my immediate feeling is that I did not, not want to support this because it would mean um, I was condoning his marriage. Just immediately as I thought this, and unfortunately verbalizing somewhat to my son, the Lord let me know that he wanted me to financially support this wedding. Um, even after the reprimand from the Lord, I had to do some research to help me understand whether or not supporting, financially supporting same-sex marriage was I, meant I was still able to keep my temple recommend. I learned that showing love and support to my son on one of the most significant days of his life was not the same as supporting groups who actively tried to tear down the church. We ended up having a destination wedding, helping all of his siblings be there, hosting a dinner celebration after the marriage. The day was filled with loving unity and love for all of us. I was so happy not to only not only to have my immediate family there, but also extended family. In hindsight, I can, can now clearly see the destruction that it would have caused into our relationship with our son if we had chosen not to financially support his wedding. I'm beyond grateful for the direction and inspiration I received from the Lord in a very personal way that loving and supporting people where they are, and I'm scrolling down trying to find the right button, where they are um, it, is what matters most, and that by doing this we are not making a statement about our own beliefs. So I think that's kind of you know where you ended up and where a lot of LDS parents end up, and but it takes some time to kind of navigate that. Talk about the wedding. Before we went live, we just talked about the wedding, and Holly just lit up. It's like she wants to relive the wedding, and I think all four of Let's tell us about, you know, the wedding day, Holly, and what it meant to you and how... Just your thoughts about the wedding. So I've been in the wedding industry for about 15-plus years. Um, have a few weddings under my belt. 
and Alec was my sidekick for many of those years. So to plan his day and Blake's day was super fun. And, um, and we just, we had, you know, people say weddings are stressful, but we had nothing but fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, having been in the industry for so long, we called in some amazing vendors to help us. And, and it was great because it was, it was up at Park City and we were able to the wedding was on a Saturday and we went up on Friday and we spent all day Friday and we spent most of the day on Saturday prior to the wedding and then we had Sunday morning together as well and it was just, it was just amazing. I would uh, do it all over again. <laughs> what was the part you remember the most or the things about the wedding that you, when you think about that day that still come back to your mind? There are a few things. Um, hearing the boys um, vows to each other. And I think everybody that was there would say the same thing. Um, Blake's father gave the sweetest toast at our dinner following the ceremony. And I've had multiple people comment to me still to this day about his father's toast. Um, the surprise dance that Alec gave to Blake <laughs> that I had kind of thrown out there a few months prior and he never responded. And so when he did it, I was just thrilled. <laughs> um, but just the feeling of unity and family and love that was there from Friday to Sunday. And everybody there felt the same thing. Jeff, what do you remember from the wedding? I remember it was a beautiful blue sky in the first week of June. But it was cold in Park City. Uh, the pictures don't show that, but it was a it was a nice chilly day, um, and pretty much the same things that Holly said. It was just a day that we we had come to the conclusion that we wanted to celebrate, and we wanted it, you know, we wanted to wanted it to be not only just enjoyable, but a day that would be memorable, and it certainly was that it was a memorable a memorable day uh, and thanks to you know some fantastic uh, vendors and help that we were able just to enjoy it we didn't have to worry or stress about a lot of the details and we could just literally enjoy watching Alec and Blake um, you know as they went through the day I guess one of my favorite parts of the day was towards the after the ceremony Alec and Blake had gone in and, and done a, a, a change. They had changed from their weddings, wedding uh, 
tuxes to a different set of tuxes for the reception and the dinner. And we had the opportunity, Blake's dad and I, and uh, to sign the paperwork uh, to make it official. And the, uh, the four of us plus the uh, offici officiator, uh, the fifth signature, we were kind of back behind the scenes. And it was just a really, it was a very quiet and tender moment that we were able to have uh, just the five of us and, you know, and specifically the four from a family perspective. But that was one of my favorite parts of the day. And for our listeners, we visited earlier and we I learned that most of your family came, all of your immediate family came and a lot of extended family. Were there, without naming anybody, were there people that kind of barely came and that it significantly moved them one way or the other? Um, yes. And you can name who they are if they are. <laughs> I think or you can keep I'm, it general. Yeah, I'll keep it general, but I think I think what most people came away with was listening to the boys give their vows to each other. And I think sometimes I don't know why, but when you think of gay people, you you think it's 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 about it it for some reason becomes sexual. And um, I think this day showed people that it was about two people who loved each other. And that was the main thing. And I think, so I think some people, um, I think it opened their eyes for sure. Yeah. It was my first gay wedding, <laughs> and so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. This is Jeff, um, and and I think some of the people in the audience were in the same situation. Yeah, it was a true. first for a lot of us. So, you know, not really knowing what you're going into something because you want to be there, and you're, or at least you feel obligated to be there, and and at some point it just becomes an opportunity to to you know listen to your feelings and and feel those emotions and and that's what i think a lot of what holly was referring to obviously a lot of people not quite knowing what to expect were somewhat surprised or pleasantly you know surprised as it relates to those that feeling of happiness that that, that everyone i should say everyone i didn't talk to everyone at the wedding but i think a lot of people in the audience had Talk about the wedding. Let's start with uh, Blake. Okay. Uh, I the wedding to me was uh, and it's, the day you, you yeah, could be broader than yeah, just the I wedding, mean, but the, the event, the entire event itself was incredible. I I will never forget it. I mean, it's still so vivid in my memory, and luckily we have tons of photos to remember it by. But um, as far as some of my favorite favorite moments from the wedding, one of my one of my absolute favorite moments um, was right before Alec and I walked down the aisle, which we had, we each had our mothers walk us down the aisle. Um, and sitting back there while everybody else, because where we got married, we were kind of hidden in the back in this meadow uh, while all the guests were seated and and we had a chance to kind of joke and, and talk with the four of us before we walked down the aisle. And I remember it being so emotional, but at the same time, just so jovial um we were just laughing and crying and it was an incredible incredible experience to share with our mothers uh and with each other 
and then to be able to share with each other our vows, which we didn't, neither of us knew what the other person's vows were beforehand, um, and they were hard to get through. We both cried a lot, but um, it was incredible. And then talking to people as well. Uh, as people were leaving, we tried to say goodbye to everybody before they left, and the same sentiment was shared over and over and over again, and it was the sentiment that they were so happy that they had an opportunity to come because it helped them understand what love really meant um, and understand that love wasn't just restricted to uh, well, you know, what we call, I guess, a normal family. Um, but that love was, was really just this powerful emotion that could be felt and shared between anybody. Um, I, I'm grateful we have tons of photos because it, um, it helps us remind of that day. And we were like the, the worst part of the day was when it was over. Both Blake and I were walking back to our hotel room, um, after, after the day. And we were just so sad because here's this event that we had planned for months and it was over. Like we were, I was like, well, can we just, can we groundhog day it? Can we just repeat it again? Because it was just, it was just so fun. It was fun to be there with our friends, to be there with our family. Um, and like, I mean, it was, it was my first gay wedding <laughs> it, it, <laughs> that I had been to. Um, and I think it was a lot of firsts. Um, I re, you know, I remember my dad's dad, my grandpa, who I'm pretty close with. He's, you know, he's like, I'll just going to close my eyes when you kiss, but he was there, you know, supporting and then, and, and loving. And, and I think they all, you know, there's this stereotypical, what you think it would be. And then it was, you know, this event full of love and fun and family and, and dancing and a day I'll never forget. Thanks for sharing that. Just, and there's probably lots more we could share, but I think it's good for our listeners just to hear about this, this event. And I've learned, I want all marriage to succeed. So, you know, I would, I guess earlier I would kind of want, there might be a side of me that wants marriages outside of our church to fail because I want people to come back. And I don't, and now I just, I try not to go down that road. This is not for you, more for our listeners. I just want all marriages to succeed. If you've made vows to each other and have, and have walked into marriage with this deep commitment, have got this family support, I just love what the Fowler family, the McDougall family, and what you're doing. I just want your marriage to succeed. And I recognize that, you know, ideally a marriage is where two people come together and a lot of commitment and they want the best for each other. I've always felt marriage is one plus one equals three. I can accomplish things because I'm married um, that I probably wouldn't be able to. So, yeah, I just recognize the complexities of this. So, I, you know, I don't invite anybody to go down your road. I've said that a lot on the podcast. But if you self-select and self-determine that's your road, I'm going to respond like your parents have. I'm kind of looking at Alec and Blake and just say, well, I'm going to support you. I'm going to keep the family circle together. So up until this point of this podcast, sharing our family's journey, um, we've shared quite um, a lot of happy, positive moments with you. Um, but for those of you who... Um, are struggling in your journey and you're listening to ours thinking, well, theirs is just rainbows and unicorns. Um, 
you I I want you to understand that you know we're three years deep into this journey, and we have had um, our share of struggles. You know, um, just from the very beginning with your son, you know, Alec telling us that he was gay. Um, we have shed many tears. We have um, had some really hard conversations, both just Jeff and I, um, conversations with Alec and conversations with family members. Um, I also wanted to share that not all of our extended family members felt comfortable um, about attending the boys' wedding. Um, it just wasn't in their wheelhouse to come. And so um, I just wanted to share that we too, as I'm sure you have experienced, um, some struggles. Um, we've had close friends leave our lives. Um, we um, have had minimal support from our ward. Um, although we've had, you know, some support, but, um, it's not been, um, it's not been easy. And I, I just wanted you to know that we empathize with you wherever you are on that journey, because more than likely we've been there as well. And, um, how, you, you two, are, you know, there's, you know, you've stepped away from the church. Why do, how do you feel about your family being in the church, Alec? You know, I um, just, I mean, obviously being raised in the church, we have this, the, from a very young age, we're taught agency, you know, the ability to choose and just how they support me in what I'm doing and my choices I'm making. I'm going to show the mutual respect of supporting them and what choices they're making. Um, you know, we try to um, attend mission homecomings and baptisms, and it's not, um, I mean, it's not an easy road or path to walk down as, you know, as we have kids and they interact with their nieces and nephews who are being raised in the church. So, like, I think it's this learning process path of what we have to figure out um, and, you know, involving both sides in the equation. Blake, do you want the fa family members in your family to leave the church, like your mom who's active? No, I, I think it's a similar thing with Alec. Uh, he, I would just echo what he had said in that they support us um, with love in what we do, and so we both try to support our families in love and what they do. Um, the only thing that I hope for my family is just further understanding, just more and more understanding as we move forward. And, and, and like you said, as we have children of our own, to be able to respect each other's boundaries, um, respect each other's choices and how we choose to raise, each, raise our own families as we'll respect how they've chosen to raise their families. Um, that's really, I think, what we, what we hope for for both of our families. And I would say the fundamentals are there to continue to be able to do that with just the conversations and your ability to, to, to I think it needs to be led from the, I think the parents sometimes, it's the hardest to have those skills. Sometimes it's people my age. 
I don't know if that's true, but I recognize that Jeff and Holly can have these kind of conversations and you're willing to have them too. And I think that's just a fundamental thing. Keep families together. Um, Jeff and Holly talk about, and this is kind of you talking to other LDS parents that have an adult child that stepped away. I know in my own elders quorum, I would guess half of the dads in elders quorum have an adult child, especially the dads that are in their 60s or 70s. The younger dads, not so much, but have an adult child that stepped away from the church. There's just a couple that I know that are gay. Most of them are straight children that have stepped away, but there's a lot of just a lot of pain around that because what you'd hope for growing up with little kids and the reality of your family, you worry about your eternal family and empty seats at the table. And and so talk, if either of you just want to talk to that and how you, and how you just, I don't know how, how you handle that. If you worry that your eternal family now is forever different, or if you don't, or if you just try to leave that at the Savior's feet. Jeff? Yeah, so I'll I'll take a shot at that one, and yes to all of those, <laughs> all of those answers that you just gave. Definitely, there's a there's a, a worry or there is a question, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm, you know, the the answers to those questions, uh, I think are are still maybe being written, um, but at the end of the day, it comes down just to a couple a couple of fundamentals uh, beliefs, and that is you love your your son or your daughter and and you recognize that choices that you know they make are their choices and their paths that they've chosen to go down and it that that is their prerogative and their opportunity to exercise the agency but that doesn't impact the love that you have for them so that's that's the first thing i would say for a parent that that I, I think the idea is you can make a choice to say I will I still want to continue with a relationship and I still want to you know see you and have our conversations and and maybe there's certain topics that are off the off limits because you don't want to introduce you know maybe a friction if that's not to where you are in the relationship but if regardless you know you need to find out what that what that path is to allow that that relationship to continue in my my opinion um, if you make that decision to that the relationship isn't going to succeed and you're going to you know make a very extremely difficult and challenging choice to to say you know you're going down one path and I'm going to go down another I'm not sure where that how that connects back in the end I, I think we miss out on too much opportunity too many too much love uh, by making that, and that's my own personal opinion. That's that's not anything uh, that I would say is is required. Um, and the other piece I would say for people that have lost or their child has maybe chosen to step away, is find those opportunities and where if you can have those conversations, you know there are certain aspects of a relationship with our heavenly Father that regardless if you are a, a believing member of the church or not, you can still have a spiritual aspect in your life, whether that is around prayer, uh, whether that is around, you know, the values that you choose, to, how you live your lives with, with uh, you know, honesty and integrity and virtue and those aspects. So I would, you know, and I've talked to Alec about this, Blake is, can figure 
he can have those conversations. Uh, that's not necessarily my responsibility. Uh, but with Alec, I've you know just encouraged him to to maintain that relationship and bring an element of spirituality into his life and into their relationship. Because regardless of your association with the church, I believe that that spirituality is is necessary uh, for for a healthy relationship and and can help you know strengthen a relationship. Certainly, you can find success without it, but I think it can be better and with it. So that's kind of how it's a hard thing, parents. I, Great answers. I can empathize and it's no easy answer and no one right answer for, for everyone to follow. Holly, do you have any thoughts on this question? No. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> one size doesn't fit all. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I agree with, you know, we've had some friends who kind of have been examples for us with their children who have left. They just love them. And I think that's like, I mean, it seems super easy. <laughs> But um, you just have to still love your kid. I love that. And um, my brother, I was just going to read a comment he made. He has adult children that stepped away in, in his book that's called Bridges, Ministering to Those That Have Questions or Doubt. He says, at our house, my wife and I still talk about no empty chairs. But we talk about no empty chairs at the dinner table, around the pool, on a vacation and their life events, and in all the chairs from our children's lives. And I love that. Sometimes we talk about, you know, worry about an empty chair at the next life and our eternal families not being together. But I think we should just leave that at the Savior's feet. I like what Becky McIntosh says on the on our video. Anybody and any, everybody's going to be welcome in our home. And that's what we do as families, and we just leave it at the Savior's feet. So you're to me, that there's a doctrinal foundation there that you said, Holly, in love. And I sometimes call it non-agenda love, that I love someone just because they're worthy of being loved. And it's not with an agenda that I'm loving them secretly just to control them into a behavior that I want. Maybe we have that as parents, that we love our kids, but, but I think maybe it's even better just to love our kids because they deserve to be loved. And then I think as a parent, sometimes if I can do that, if they then they'll be the most likely to open up to me when they have questions um, or concerns or maybe even feel like maybe they've gone down a road that they're not quite sure about. And and since I love them, they'll kind of open up to me. And so I just think love, Holly, everybody said that word to me is what we do as parents and leave it at the Savior's feet. I've always felt like good parents, you know, we kind of control the things we can control. And as the younger kids, we can control a lot. Mm -hmm. And as 28-year-olds or 31-year-olds, we could control this no empty seats around the pool or on the Friday night at the Florida beach where that's a pretty tender moment where Alec, being able to share how he really feels with his mom and you to be able to go there and hear that. And it's probably not what you wanted to hear when Alec, when you had an eight-year-old, but it's the reality of the situation and be able to sit with him in that moment that for him was so tender and to recognize the tenderness of that moment to me is love and what we as parents do. Um, I don't know if anybody wants to comment on that before we move on. I want to talk about, <laughs> I 
don't know if anybody's raising their hand. Um, we talked, you, I think it was Blake that said this line. It's sort of like, it's not easy to leave the church. And you said, oh, great, I'm gay. I get to leave the church. It's my ticket out. I think the idea is it's just really hard. I don't really want to leave the church. It's my community. And you've been an elders corn president, served so much, Blake. You've served a mission, Alec. And do either of you just want to talk about that? Because it's part of what I like to do is just bridge, build, um, create more empathy for people that have stepped away, especially people like you that aren't trying to draw other people with them, that are honoring people that want to stay and not, you know, and that takes a bit of maturity because you probably would want to stay. You'd probably love to have, be in the church, um, but you're not able to be in the church. So either of you want to talk about that? So it was, it was Holly that said the line. I, I think somebody had said it to her that um, the people that she's interacted with at places like Encircle, the kids don't say, I'm gay and uh, I'm so glad it's my easy ticket out of the church. It's the exact opposite for most of us. Um, and it was for me as well. Being being gay and coming out was to me easier than leaving the church because I was leaving behind this community that I had built over 27 years. Um, in addition to that, the, the loss that all those around you feel when you leave. Um, and I felt that loss as well as I ministered to people as a, a ward mission leader and as an elders quorum president when people would leave that loss that I felt. And I knew I was causing that heartache for others as well when I left. Um, and I think that was one of the hardest things for me um, through the entire experience was leaving the church. And so for me, a lot of that is why I don't necessarily want my family to leave the church because I understand the pain that it causes and the sense of loss and trying to kind of rebuild and figure out what you do believe in because you don't have this base there for yourself anymore. Um, and so I, I would just say to those that are going through that process that you have to be patient with yourself, but also ask for patience from others as well, because it's, it's not easy to be in a leadership position and see somebody taking that path, even though you know it's the right path for you, they don't, they don't, they're not in your shoes. They don't understand your circumstance. So to, sh to have patience for them as well. Alec, do you have any great answer, Blake? Any thoughts you have? Uh, uh, no, Blake nailed it pretty, pretty on the head right there. The feelings are the same. That, that you know, it's 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 kind of this two-step process of you say, okay, I'm gay. Now what do I do? You know, there's 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 really like three options. There's stay in the church, remain celibate, temple recommend worthy. Um, maybe a mixed orientation marriage is on the table, uh, or there's this you know, opportunity of, okay, if I go start dating a guy, I may fall in love with him and I, I may want to get married, which is going to put me in, in jeopardy, so to speak, of, of the, my standing with the church. And so, you know, figuring out that road is not easy. And then when you do figure out what road you go down, no matter what road you go down, it's going to be difficult. Um, but like my dad said, he's always the way I look at it, there's spirituality, there's my relationship with God, and then there's the church. And just because I've stepped away from the church doesn't mean I've lost my ability or capability to talk to God. That, that, that is always on the table. 
And that's kind of the, the, what has helped me get through that process of leaving that community and, and still feeling self-worth and love. Great answers. And it's just a tender, complicated subject. And we like to talk about those kind of things on this podcast and great answers. And I, I just, I recognize that if we villainize you guys, um, that it's going to be harder for you not to be angry. If we cut you off from our families, which obviously your families haven't, and if we villainize you, meaning when I say that, we make you the reason the whole world's going downhill is because of people like you too. I, I leave that for ISIS that wants to bomb me. I leave that for <laughs> sex traffickers that want to traffic kids. My son's involved in trying to help in that world in a positive way. And so they're villains and Satan's real. Um, but I don't want to, I don't want to do, I just want to humanize people like you. And, and I think what your family's doing is just so that then you feel better and you make better decisions in your life. And you're like you say, Alec, you're more likely to stay connected to God and you're less likely to just want everybody to leave the church because you have less pain. Pain leads to anger and anger then leads to lashing out. And I've learned to honor people's anger for a period of time. I think eventually you've got to use the atonement or other tools to overcome anger. But I would guess you feel pain as you leave the church and there's not a spot for you. And I wish we thank people better that left the church. And we thank you, and I will right now, for all the service you've given, the missions you serve, the, you know, all the things you've done. You told um, you had a convert come to the wedding to support you, Alec. And and I don't, I assume she didn't, she's in the church and didn't lose her testimony. I don't know if she's in the church or not. Yeah, it was, uh, it was my converts. Um, it was her husband's parents that came. That came. Um, and so she's still in the church and we FaceTimed them when, when they were here at the wedding. So, so I love supportive. that you're, you know, that this is just a story of supporting each other where they are, allowing space for people to have their own experiences and keeping circles together. We keep just like friendship and and family and not doing anything that makes it harder for you to, to be able to do that. Are you okay with everything I said there? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I recognize when I was your age <laughs> and Jeff and Holly, same way, we had, we weren't in this double bind where you actually believed in the church and wanted to spend your life with somebody. It's almost easier if you didn't believe in the church, you didn't, were never in the church. And so I recognize the double bind a lot of our gay members feel. This is a, uh, how do you feel about people that are celibate and stay in the church? Do you honor those guys and men and women? Do you, I mean, how do you just handle different paths like mixed orientation, marriage, people are in the church celibate? So we have, we have, this is like, we have friends that are in mixed orientation marriages. We have friends that have decided to remain in the church and be celibate. Uh, for us, we knew that wasn't the right path for us. And, and I think, like you just said, giving everybody space to take the path that they've chosen is the right thing to do. Um, so if that's the path that they feel is the best for them, then that's that's something that we don't judge. The one thing um, that we have discovered, at least and, and discussed for ourselves, is that we don't believe that we're meant to be alone. And so I, I do mourn a little bit for those that choose that path because I know how difficult that path is to be alone um, and to to recognize that you may not have that same companionship that 
you see those around you within the church have. And that was something that was very difficult for me. It was something that I discussed quite a, quite extensively with my parents yeah. as we go on family vacations. And I mourn the fact that my siblings all had people there with them. Um, and I was, and I was always the one that was, that was alone. And so, um, I, I don't judge them for that. And that might be the right path for them and it might work very well for them. But for us, it just, it just was not the right path. I thought that's kind of the answer you'd give. It's a really mature answer. And I, I recognize there's people that want to draw people. If you're LGBTQ, there may be a natural desire to draw people to the path you're taking within LGBTQ to sort of validate that this is the right thing to do. And I, and I've, I recognize the maturity I sense with both of you saying, this is our path. Um, and but we're not sort of saying to every your celibate friends that are in the church saying, "Well, follow us. <laughs> we'll set you up," you know. Or if they're in a mixed orientation marriage, um, you know, we hope your mixed orientation marriage ends. I'm putting words in your mouth and you're smiling. I think, but I just think that's a. I love that what you're doing there and just honoring everybody. And I think sometimes it's even harder being LGBTQ because other people want to take their path and. And I think that's a maturity I'm seeing within LGBTQ people is honoring everybody's path and their relationship or not relationship with the church. Um, this is a comment um, in the upcoming book, just you know, from a 65-year-old celibate guy who's in the church. And in doing so, there's being in the church. In doing so, there's been a part of me that's been set on the shelf dormant since I've never been in a close, committed relationship. Burying these parts of me has been detrimental to my health on several levels. As things currently stand, there's a sacrifice required to choose either direction, damned if you do or damned if you don't. I am not always I am always thrilled when two people decide this is someone in the church celibate when they want to spend their lives together and honor that decision. But that was a really thoughtful comment from this good brother. And I just when I read that, you know, my first time he sent that to me, and that'll be in the book, we remove the names of of these people providing comments from these closed Facebook groups, and I'll explain that in the book just so they'd be more honest. But I read that and I just, wow, you know, he's in the church, he's served in a lot of leadership callings, he's been celibate, um, but I just love the reality of how difficult that road is. And I'm not sharing that with you that are celibate to invite you off the celibate road. I think it's just for all our listeners to build empathy into every, just how difficult it is to be LGBTQ. And, LG, and LDS or even not LDS. And and that's the purpose of this podcast. And I, I Go would ahead, say, Blake. Just as a comment to that, uh, Holly had kind of mentioned it as well. I think the, the hard thing is we get so focused in, and especially with LGBT people, LGBTQ people in the church, we get so focused on the celibacy side of it. But in reality, for most of us, it's, it's a companionship. It's not, most of us can live without having the physical intimacy but without ha with with having no companionship that's where it becomes really really difficult watching others have that companionship and have that forever best friend and not knowing if you'll ever have that that was that was something that was very difficult for me and that can i like that and that can lead to feelings of suicide that you you know you know a lot of people and what we all do that you know that can be multiple decades of being alone facing a in front of an LGBTQ, an LB, LG particularly that's not bisexual, that can be a pretty scary road. And it can lead to some really difficult, so I, I like that. Um, I talk about Grandpa Fowler, that's Jeff's dad is 80, we talked about this ahead, I circled that I wanted to make sure we get back to it. Jeff's dad's 86, 
We're not quite sure of his age. He's somewhere in there, 86, 87. Yeah, I think um, if you're be, listening, I, he'll, up, yeah, he'll be 86 this year. All right, Grandpa Fowler. And um, why don't you tell us, and he's active LDS, 86 years old. Alec, tell us, tell us about your grandfather Fowler and some of the things he wants to know about Blake. Uh, you know, my, my grandpa was raised in the South. Um, and, and my grandma as well. She, she would have definitely been at the wedding if she would have uh, been alive. But, um, you know, it's that Southern love. Um, you know, growing up with my grandparents, I'd spend my, you know, some summers up with them and there was always random people at breakfast and no clue who they were, but they would come to eat and my grandparents loved them, whether they were members of the church, whether they were not members of the church. Um, he, uh, you know, when I, when I called my grandpa to come out to him, um, I said, Hey grandpa, just let you know, you know, there's a reason I haven't had a girlfriend every time you ask me. And, uh, I said, that's cause I'm gay. And he said, well, are you happy? And I said, yeah, I am. And he's like, that's all that matters. Um, and so he was able to attend and we were able to fly him down for the wedding. And, and, you know, he, he'll, every time he calls me on a weekly basis, it's not, he doesn't ask me how I'm doing first. It's how Blake is doing, um, and how we're doing and, and the dogs and the cars and then those weekly conversations that I've truly Does cherished. Does feel to have your 86 year old grandpa not change? Uh, it's super. I mean, we, we had a really close relationship spending time with him as I was a young kid. Um, and it just continues to, to grow and expand as, you know, he continues to get older. He says it's his last year every year, but it just keeps going. So <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Jeff, you talked before we went live about just wanting to have parents have information. When you both stepped in this space three or four years ago, there was just talk to parents that are just barely stepping in the space. What advice you'd give to them? Yeah, it, uh, we were... Uh, we were very fortunate, uh, and I'll say there was some, some uh, help, yeah, some divine intervention, help from the Lord on uh, on putting certain people in our lives that led to other people. Uh, because three three years ago, there was you know there wasn't as there it was a little bit more there were more questions still lots of questions but a little bit less information a little bit you know there was a lot of no places to go to talk to someone or get some information. So, um, so what I would say is one, we're very fortunate uh, that someone, one of our close friends who didn't know you, Richard, but had told us about you and you were kind enough to, to take a phone call and to set up a meeting. I was thinking it would be probably a three month waiting period, but <laughs> we got to meet with you, uh, the next, I think it was the next night or two nights after, after our phone call. But, um, so that was one thing that was such a critical piece to me, just to be able to talk to someone and not necessarily that there was a lot of answers, but just the ability to have a conversation and express questions and express, you know, what's what's going to happen? How are we going to navigate this? And to having someone to listen and talk to, that was that's that's a big piece. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, and those relationships can be found at, you know, in a, in a wide variety of places. The other piece would be, you know, as it relates to the church's website, uh, mormonandgay.com, 
Um, certainly there are books, uh, there are uh, landing pages and all kinds of information online that where people can feel free and, and have an opportunity to ask honest and, and good questions and get you know information that can come back. Again, not all the answers have exact answer or questions have exact answers, but they give you at least some ideas and opportunity to think. So I would just recommend for those parents uh, be open as it relates to looking for, you know, looking for that information. There are uh, lots of different, um, you know, people that will share with you, uh, whether it's online or whether it's in books. You've talked, to, we've talked about Tom Christofferson's book, Becky McIntosh's book. Um, there's a lot of, lot of information out there that uh, just takes some time to educate and kind of incorporate everything, and and kind of help you help guide you through. The journey and when the journey doesn't end i mean it's we're still on it we're not by any means we are not at the end of a road here there will be more there will be more hard and challenging conversations uh, there will be you know interesting situations that will come up we don't know what those are right now but i'm one thing i am sure is that will happen so just having that information or knowing those sources is a big piece and of course you know, I would, I would be your relationships with our Savior and with our Heavenly Father. Always, you know, that that aspect and that lifeline of prayer uh, to to ask for help and ask for strength and ask for patience and guidance. And you know, miracles will happen, and they will. He he will put people in your life and information in front of you that will help help you get through some of those challenging times. One of the things I've seen sometimes that happens is when um, a child leaves for same-sex marriage, they step away from the church, and the parents are really committed to the church. But then sometimes they feel judged from family members or ward members that they're supporting their children too much, and the ward kind of pulls away from our family. And they, at a time when I feel like the ward should even reach out in extra love and support, because just it's a it's a wedding, so a ward family should reach out and love and support, but maybe the family needs an extra measure of just knowing the ward's got their back as they're doing what they think is right, supporting their kids if they're one of their children goes down this road of a same-sex marriage. And so I'm worried sometimes we lose families that we shouldn't lose um, because we don't know how as a ward family to respond. Any just advice to either of you like to give to if a ward member you know, if someone's listening that just says, yeah, I know there's a family in our ward who's got a son or a daughter going to same-sex marriage, but right now I don't know what to say, and so I don't say anything. Just give us some counsel to rank-and-file members. Yeah, that is a that is a really good question, and in a situation um, that you have, I think we're really good at most situations when it comes to showing love, support, and concern, empathy, and sympathy when it's when there's something like a sickness and illness and accident um, you know we'll we'll be at that doorstep with food and with you know if we need to mow a lawn or help take care of a situation this when a when a child comes out as you know as lgbtq or there is a wedding that one's a little bit a little bit more of a like you said not quite sure some people are not quite sure what to say or what to do um, so I think sometimes that the natural action or reaction there is just to withdraw and not do anything because they're unsure. I don't think there's any, you know, people's love and appreciation and concern doesn't waver there, but this is not, uns they're a little bit unsure. 
from our situation, and again, this is just our example, the meaningful conversations that that we were involved with were were very short, uh, very brief. Uh, like I'm talking 15 to 20 seconds, where it was something along the lines of, first of all, acknowledging that you knew or that they knew that Alec had come out. So the, so the, I was I was crystal clear about what they were talking about. It wasn't like, so how are you doing? You know, <laughs> are you, what well, I'm doing fine, but are you asking how I'm doing with Alec, my gay son, or are you asking how I'm doing with, with my work or what really, where do you want to go with that? So the idea of, Hey, I, I know I've seen it's most of the time, you know, at this point in time, it will be public. So I know I saw some, I saw a post or I saw something from Alec uh, so, so that I know that they know that he is, he's out. And then it's simply something along the lines of, we just want you to know we love you. And he's a fantastic young man and, and we love you. And whether there's a hug or a handshake, and that's really the extent. And if, if, if we needed more, I think we would then be in a position to say, hey, can we talk about this? Uh, but maybe we don't need any more than that, and they can go on their way, and we can go on our way, and that that feeling of, of love and that feeling of um, comfort and support is is done. I mean, you've, you've got that. So that's all I would say is if you know someone, you know, for, I think it's okay to acknowledge, but give them that that vote of support that vote of comfort and and give them a hug or a handshake and and then you'll know if there's more conversation or more action to be had but that is a great place to start any thoughts on that holly any additional thoughts she's good you're a team i, I can i say Blake, something on that you real bet. quick so one thing i would say and this is this is coming from both my parents as experience as well as uh, some experiences i've heard from other members of the church other parents one of the things I would say to to kind of avoid as well, not only um, in com well, one of the things I would say to avoid is saying I'm so sorry for what has happened, um, because a lot of times what it's almost like you're mourning their death, right? And and you don't know how their parents feel about it. The parents may be ecstatic they may they may love their kid no matter what and they're not mourning at all and so that just puts the thought in their head that maybe they should be mourning their child mourning the fact that their child has come out when that's not the case what they should be doing is loving and so i love that jeff has said you know just go up and say you know we love you we still love your child and we hope this doesn't affect the relationship that we have great answer blake anybody else have any thoughts on that yeah i just say like my dad said be you know, don't beat around the bush. You know, there's there's one good thing that the gospel is good at, especially in some situations, is gossip. And it becomes this secondhand knowledge that, you know, is taboo to talk about or, you know, I don't know how to bring it up. But for the most part, you know, if if you really truly love and care about that person, just go up to them and say, hey, I heard about your son or I heard about your daughter. You know, I love you. Like it's that it's that simple, and you know if they if they need more than that, they'll they'll ask for it. That's all. That that's that's all we really need to do. Yeah, I just love what you're teaching here and sharing here, and I think my experience is people are glad when I ask about other family situations that are difficult, whether it's a gay child, 
And I love what you said, Blake. You know, I'm not and not say I'm so sorry, but just to, to ask how you're doing. And and it seems like most people want to talk about tough topics that are going on with the trusted person that knows they're asking for the right reason. And so I think we need to learn to do that. And I love what you're sharing there. And I hope that as ward members, we can reach out and talk to everybody in our ward about situations we're aware of and not do what Alex said, kind of talk to everybody else about it, <laughs> but not talk to the Fowler family about their gay son, Alec, and talk to Jeff and Holly and say, Jeff, you know, tell us how Alec is doing. We know the wedding and how are you feeling? And just open-ended, non-leading questions that don't lead to a yes or no answer, but are more open-ended. So I like that. I had a thought that was in my brain that's gone, darn it. Oh, well. Um, I wanted, I had another question if I'd written it down, but I don't see it real quickly. Um, you could talk about, talk about the sibling text thread that's going on, just as <laughs> uh, an example with, of how the Fowler family um, all yeah, has each other's back. That's with uh, the Fowler kids and their spouses, though. My youngest brother will be getting married in May, so we all have found our our significant others and our, our persons in life. So it's the the eight of us on this thread that uh, can get funny. The the memes that are sent will you know make you laugh when you're at the gym or out loud in public when you shouldn't be laughing, and and it's just it's just a very loving, open relationship that um, we all have with each other. That um, no one's going to get offended. Uh, and it's all out of, you know, respect and mutual love for one another. It's just a family love story. Mm -hmm. It's a great yeah. family love story. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. So. <laughs> it, As they, a parent, a good I, job of keeping it quiet. I may be going out in our family. Now I want to know what they're all talking about, <laughs> the memes they're sending. Sometimes I'll hear an experience where a leader will kind of get in the face of an active LDS couple that has a son like Alex that's stepping away and, and sort of, uh, and this is the exception, but and I don't think it's happened in your situation. So you, but it's sort of like you're going to lose your family, and sort of creating this feeling you've got to choose between your loyalty to the church or your family. And I hope we don't do that. I hope we just honor the personal revelation that every parent is is receiving, and not if we're a leader, sort of get in someone's face and sort of create this feeling they've got to choose the church or their children. That isn't our doctrine. I think our doctrine is we want to do it. We're a, we are a home-centered, church-supported church, and so I think we want to do everything we can to make strong families. And if I'm a local leader, I want to do everything I can to listen to parents and honor the revelation they're receiving. Even if some LDS parents feel that this is the right path for their son or daughter, and they're, and they just this is what they feel is right. They're just. I'm, and if you open up to me about that as a local leader, I'm not sort of judging you're the revelation you're seeing about your family, that I'm just honoring what you feel is right for your family, and I'm not trying to make you choose. Any thoughts on that, Jeff or Holly, or just? Yeah, it, that is, you know, that's, that's from a personal perspective, that's one of my big takeaways that I'm working on to... Uh, to make improvements and adjustments in my life, and especially over these past three years, is to not take that, uh, to, to look at a situation through a different lens. Um, you know, look at a situation trying to understand what that person is feeling or what that person has experienced. And also looking at 
through at that person or that uh, that experience through the the eyes of what the Savior might be looking at um, and what they might be seeing. And if we will take a minute to you know to kind of just give that some thought, I think our answers and our inclinations would be moderated a little bit around uh, around love and compassion versus you know um, discouragement and and harshness um, because you know at the end of the day like we've said along those eight those decisions are based on agency and we're all just going to be putting it at the savior's feet and and so you know that's between that's between the lord and it's between that person it's really not involving me so that's what i would just you know from a leader perspective if we'll take us a moment to to maybe look at things a little through those different lenses um i think our our answers or our conversations might might be a little bit more meaningful along those lines that's 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 great with my two cents does anybody have anything else they want to share that i haven't brought up or thoughts on your mind um this so i'll just close and just thank you know alec and Blake, um, for being on the podcast and sharing great insights. On behalf of our listeners, we just you you know want you to feel our support and see the things you're doing to contribute to society the ways you're serving, and we want you to succeed as a couple and succeed in everything you're doing. And Holly and Jeff, you two are just doing a great job as parents. On behalf of all of our listeners, this is I mean the title of this podcast is a beautiful family love story. And um, I, I just love what you're doing to keep your family together. And maybe that Friday night, Holly, when you're on the beach with Alec and he opens up to you is one of the most tender parts of this podcast and that conversation. And I just sense, you know, moms in particular often just do such a great job with their kids. I think you have special Christ-like attributes sometimes. Maybe it's because you, you know, you went through the process of actually physically having these kids and you're sometimes more wired into their emotions and their feelings and have sometimes even extra personal revelation for the direction they need in their lives. So moms are often the heroes in my life and you're one of my heroes, Holly and and Jeff. And everybody, thank you and thank our listeners for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn and Love hosted by Richard Osler. <laughs>